Some of you know that uh, I'm a pretty big country music fan. Uh, I love country music and one of my favorite country singers of all time is a guy named Garth Brooks. Uh, what makes Garth Brooks different than I think a lot of country singers is Garth likes to tell stories as he sings. And I, I think a lot of musicians try to do that, but I think Garth Brooks pulls it off better than anyone of telling a story through a song. And one of those stories that I just uh, love the best um, and the song that I, I think I like the most is called Unanswered Prayers. Has that, have you heard that song? Yep, some of you. It, it's a song about Garth Brooks it, talking from the first person. He, he goes to a local football game with his wife. And as he walks into the local football game, he sees his old high school flame. The, the one that he prayed about that God would make her his wife. He, he sees that local high school flame that he, he wanted for all time and he just prayed and prayed that God would let, her, let him marry her. But as they, they stand there and they're talking, what does he find out? She's different than what she used to be and, and he's different than he used to be. And, and as he stands there, he, he looks at his wife and then it leads into the refrain that sometimes he thanks God for unanswered prayers. Uh, because if God would have said yes, he would have never met and married his wife. Has that ever happened to you? Where you prayed for something and you prayed for something and, and God seemed to not answer it. He did. It was just a no. Uh, and then later on in life, you were able to look back and say, you know what? I, I see God's plan here. I see why he said no. And what he said no about turned out to be the greatest thing that could have happened. If that's ever happened to you, you know that you're left with this feeling of awe and thanksgiving. So thankful for our God that He is greater than us, that He knows what's best for our life and that He's in control. But how'd you feel in the moment? How'd you feel as, as you were praying and you were praying and you were praying, you were convinced that this is what you need, that this person is who you need, that this is what needs to be the outcome, and God said no. My guess is it left you angry, frustrated, bitter, with, filled with discontentment, filled with anxiety over it. Especially when we feel something is so important. Especially when we're, the thing we're praying for, we find it vital for our life. And God says no, it's hard to respond with a peaceful heart. It's hard to respond with contentment. It's hard to respond with thanksgiving and joy even then. And so the question we're talking about today, the question we're going to answer is, how do we pray in a way that no matter what God's answer is, we can have peace, contentment, and a sense of security in our life? And the answer is to pray these two petitions and mean it. And as we dig into these two petitions today, I'm not going to lie, I think they are the, the most challenging requests to ask of God. But if we can do it, 
if we can actually say this from the bottom of our hearts and mean it, we will have that peace, contentment, and security that we want and that we search for no matter what God's answer is. And so let's jump into these two requests. We're in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first request we're talking about today is your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. What is God's kingdom? Heaven? Sure. But what is God's kingdom? Well, like any organization, any, any kingdom, any church, any business, uh, God's kingdom has values. And those values are love, peace, truth, justice, grace, mercy. This is what God's kingdom is all about. And we are asking that kingdom to come, but come where? Well, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 17 what God's kingdom is all about. The Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in a way you can observe. Nor will people say, Look, here it is. Or look, there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus says. Is, is God's kingdom like a country that we can see? Is it like the United States where we can point to and say, look, there's the United States. Is it like Great Britain? Is it like the Roman Empire? No, not at all. It, it's not a kingdom that can be seen because the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is within people. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, what are we asking God? We are asking God to go. This is a mission prayer. This is an evangelistic prayer. This is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations type prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come into people. Come and rule their hearts. We are asking God to bring His kingdom into other people so that He rules their hearts, so that they know that Jesus is their Savior. So that they know that Jesus shed His blood for them, that Jesus has opened heaven for them. We are asking God's kingdom to go. We are asking Him to rule their hearts and change their lives so that they live with those values. Love, truth, justice, grace, mercy, compassion. We are asking God's kingdom to come and rule people's hearts. but not just other people's hearts. We're asking God to bring His kingdom into our hearts, to rule us. I think it's a little hard for us to, to relate to a king living here in America because our politics are a little different. It, it's almost like we, we get a say, first of all, because we get to vote. And then even when a politician is in office, they don't just get to say, here's what we're going to do. Boom, done. Uh, it, it goes back and forth. There's checks and balances. They, they try to work together. Uh, it's not a, a kingdom at all. 
And, but a king doesn't work together with anyone. And so as I was thinking through this, I think the, the best illustration I've heard for what a kingdom is today that we can relate to is a college football coach. Think about it. When, when a, a college football coach comes into a program and he's new, does he just continue with the status quo? No. He comes in and what's he do? He establishes his culture in the program. It's his say. He calls the plays. He decides what they do in practice. He decides the coaches. He decides where they go, when they go, what they do. He decides everything. He decides what players he wants on his team. He decides everything. A college football coach doesn't go into the locker room and say, hey guys, uh, do you feel like doing sprints today? No. He says, you're going to do sprints today. He doesn't go in and say, hey guys, uh, do you think one of our core values should be that we, we work hard no matter what the score is? No. He says, this is the culture we have in this place. You don't like it? That's it. That's what a king does. A king comes in and says, here's the culture. The king comes in and says, here's how it is. The king comes in and he says, this is how it's going to be. I'm establishing the culture. And what we're asking God in this prayer is, Father, your kingdom come into my heart. I resign from play calling of my life. I step off the throne and you take the throne of my heart. Rule it. Grow me deeper in Jesus. Establish your culture in my life as one of your children. Not just for others, but for us. You see, step one to having that prayer life of peace, of contentment and security, no matter what the outcome is, is to be able to pray, not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. Can you do that? Can you pray that? I think it's difficult. Because I think oftentimes, what, how do we look at God? I think we look at Him more as, I'm on the throne and He's my trusty right-hand man that helps my will, my vision, what I want for my life to be accomplished. God, I have a plan for my life. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. You just sit next to me and you make sure to use your almighty power to help me accomplish it. That would be great. But when we pray, my, your kingdom come, we are saying, God, you take control. If I don't like what you have to say, so be it. Rule my heart. Rule it. And that includes my prayers. If you decide to say no, so be it. You are the king. Rule. And now we're seeing one of the challenges here, right? We have to give up control. And along with the kingdom is your will be done. And so we also need to pray, not my will, but your will be done. These two kind of go together, right? If we're asking God to rule our hearts and to tell us what to do, then, and, and to rule on our, the throne of our hearts, then of course, God, your will, you're the king, Whatever you say goes. Your will be 
done. So what is God's will for your life? I think a lot of people, I think all of us have asked that at some point, God, what is your will for my life? What do you want from me? Especially when we face situations and circumstances where the answer or decision that we have to make isn't clear. We wish we could call God up and say, God, what do you want me to do? What is your will? And God doesn't do that, though, unfortunately. <laughs> but God has told us what His will is. Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. What's the Father's will for your life? That you spend eternity with Him. His will is not that you spend family time at the holidays with your family. His will is not that you have an enormous bank account. His will is not that you even have good health. His will is that you spend eternity with Him. That's what He wants. He wants you by His side for eternity. That is His will. He wants you to believe, to look to the Son and believe in Him so you have eternal life. That's one of God's will. Here's the other part of God's will. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That word sanctified means uh, live a holy life. Live like a child of God. Live a godly life. That is God's will. To get you to heaven and that while you're on earth, you live godly lives. That's God's will for your life. And so as you pray, as you pray, what are we asking? God, answer my prayers in such a way, answer my requests in such a way that either bring me closer to heaven, to eternal life and grow in that, or answer my prayers in a way that's going to help me live a godly life. And so if you're praying for something right now, and you've been praying for something, and God seems to say no, then we have to search our hearts and say, if God actually said yes to this, is it going to take me away from eternal life? Is it going to make me live in such a way that I no longer live sanctified, a godly life? Because if that's the case, then no wonder God's saying no to your prayers. Then no wonder God's saying no to your requests because it's going to take you away from Him. And that's the last thing He wants. Now we're starting to see the challenge. Your kingdom come, your will. Because what if God's will is not mine? What if it's not? Can we give up the throne? Can we give up calling the shots? Tim Keller, in his book on prayer, says that if we can't pray these two petitions from the bottom of our heart and mean it, then it's no wonder that we don't have peace in our lives. And here's why. Because if we can't pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, and mean it, then what are we going to try and do? We are going to try to control the people in our lives and the events in our lives so that they turn out the way we believe they ought to be. I'll say that again. 
If we can't pray these petitions from the bottom of our hearts, we are going to control the people in our life and we're going to control the events in our life so that they turn out the way we think they ought to be. And some of us here say, great, because then I get what I want. But do you know what happens? When we try to have that control, we will only be unhappy, we will only be discontent, and we will only uh, be frustrated. Because how many things happen in your life every day that you have absolutely no control over? The majority of your day is filled with things that happen that you can't control. And so God says, trust me. Trust me and let my kingdom come and let my will be done in your life and you will have peace, security, and contentment. But can we? I heard a great story about a three-year-old son. Dad was giving his three-year-old son a bath one night and uh, the dad put shampoo in the kid's hair and he's playing in the bathtub and, and the dad said, okay, now lean back your head because I'm going to pour water over your hair and all the shampoo's going to go down on the back. You don't even have to close your eyes, I promise. So the son puts his head back, dad starts pouring and what's the son do? <laughs> puts his head right up. And what happens? All the shampoo and water go straight into the kid's eyes. He starts crying. Dad stops the water, calms him down. But the kid still has shampoo in his hair. So he says, okay, I'm going to do it again. Lean your head back. I promise no shampoo is going to go in your eyes. Tilts his head back, starts pouring water over. Son freaks out. Again, up, shampoo in his eyes. Kid crying again. God says, trust me. Trust me. Let my will be done in your life and I promise I will get you to my side in heaven. And what do we do? It's like we're that little kid that comes forward and says, I don't trust you. And then shampoo comes in our eyes and what happens? We're frustrated. We're angry. We're bitter. And we're discontent. And God says, just, just let me rule your life and let my will be done and you will be content, you will be at peace, and life will be good. But can we trust Him? The answer is yes, but the reason is why? Well, it's because of another unanswered prayer that took place. It wasn't a prayer that you prayed. It wasn't a prayer that I prayed. It wasn't a prayer from some great theologian, from Martin Luther or John Calvin or any of those other theologians. It was a prayer said in the darkness. It was a prayer that was said under great intensity. It was a prayer that, that was said with, with this pleading attitude. It was a prayer with great pressure on Him. It was a prayer of Jesus. The night before Jesus died, 12 hours before He'd be on the cross, He was in, a, in the darkness of the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that in less than 12 hours He'd be on the cross. He knew the pain that was coming. He knew that death was fast approaching. But more than that, He knew that all of the sins of the world, all of your sins, all of mine, were about to be on Him and He was taking responsibility for them all and that God's wrath was going to be poured out on Him for the sins of the world. 
Think about what God says is a punishment for one sin. Think about the wrath of God over one sin. It, it's hell, right? Now imagine the sins of the entire world on one individual. Jesus is getting ready to take this all on. And what does He pray? Father, if there's any other way, let this cup be taken from me. But, not my will, but yours be done. Not once, not twice, not or three times Jesus prays this prayer. And every time, the prayer went unanswered. God said, no. Why? Because the Father said, this is what is best for Stephen Apt, for Dave Wallace, for Laura Cutterman, for you. You see, I don't know about you, but sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Specifically one unanswered prayer. And it's that prayer that took place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because, because God said no to Jesus and that prayer went unanswered, what happened? Jesus went to the cross. And there He shed His blood for you. Because God said no to Jesus, Jesus' prayer, Jesus was buried and then rose again from the dead on Easter morning, conquering the grave for you. Because God said no, Jesus is now ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, ruling all things for you. It's because of that unanswered prayer that Jesus died, rose again, and is ruling all things for your and my benefit. You see, the key to praying these prayers and meaning it is really to trust that the Father knows best. If God the Father was willing to give up His one and only Son because it's what's best for you, do you think he was, He's going to rule the rest of your life for what's best for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can trust that the Father knows best. We can trust the Father to rule our hearts and His will be done because He was willing to give up His one and only Son. And so we pray with trustful hearts, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. As we close up this morning, I want you to notice something. We are halfway through this prayer. Halfway through this Lord's Prayer. How many prayers have we made a request for about ourselves? None. The pattern for prayer, Jesus says, is focus on God first. We have prayed about how He's our Father. We have prayed about hallowing His name, setting it apart as the greatest thing in our life, the number one desire of our heart. We now have prayed that His kingdom come and rule our hearts, and now we have prayed that His will be done in our life. And when we can get to a point where we pray that and mean it, then every other, everything else in our life we know is going to fall into place then everything else in our life, all the requests that we make, we can make and say, Father, I would like to see this, but if not, well, I trust you. And so we pray and we trust our Father. And as we do, we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank You today because You have all control. And we praise and thank You that not only do You have all control, 
but we can trust that you are going to rule our lives for our good, for our eternal good. Uh, and you prove that on the night when Jesus died as you, you uh, chose to say no to him, there's no other way. Uh, and it was for our benefit. It was for our eternal good. You gave up your one and only Son uh, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, we want you to rule our hearts today. We want you to rule other people's hearts. We ask that your kingdom spread. Uh, help us to grow in your kingdom and help other people to grow that they may know you, that they may know Jesus, and that they may have eternal life. We ask that your will be done in our lives this week. Help us to walk hand in hand with you, always following your will, uh, that no matter what we do, we grow closer to heaven and that we grow and live like your children. We ask us uh, to help us carry this out this week. Amen.